RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Ryan Duffy on Radio Influence. Good morning, Friday. Happy Friday to you and everybody else around you. Uh, Welcome to Duffified Live, everybody. Welcome back on another Friday edition of this amazing show. Um, As we speak right now, where the hell am I? Um, So we uh, I just finished up in Boston. So I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I'm going on a college visit this afternoon with my daughter. Uh, We're going to go check out another local college in Philadelphia. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, It's weird, man. She's like, she's like 17 years old. Poor kid's going to be 18 in in like a month. The fuck is that about? Where did that happen? Oh, well, whatever. She's a great kid, though. Super cool. Big, 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 huge heart. Pretty stoked about it. So, um, so yeah, so that's what I've got going on for that. So Boston has been amazing. Um, I love this town. Uh, just so many cool things that go on up here. So much history, so much food. Oh my God. The food, um, just a lot, a lot, a lot of food, man. Uh, just great restaurants on every single corner going up into the North end and checking out a lot of the, uh, the Irish or the Italian places that are up there has been, has been great. Um, going in and checking out, uh, my buddy, Chris Coombs place over there at Boston chops, a little duave. Um, did a little back Bay Harry's with my buddy, uh, Jason Santos. And then he's also got his place called buttermilk and bourbon, um, which is pretty badass as well. So I had a good week, man. I really did. I need a massage and I need a good long stretch. That's what I need. Cause, uh, being sick coming up there wasn't fun. Just wasn't fun at all. So I'm pretty happy that, uh, that I'm getting over that. So I still have it a little bit, a little bit, but yeah. So, um, not a tremendous amount to talk about this week because my guest is more important than pretty much everything else I have to say. Um, you know, uh, this guy's been on the show before and I loved having him on then. And I wanted to have him back on because of his most recent accomplishment, um, which is the fact that he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, um, which is really cool. And a lot of people do it. But not many people do it on prosthetic legs, on 11-inch prosthetic legs. So you guys know Adam Keyes. He's been on the show in the past. You guys know that Adam Keyes um, is really a very dynamic individual who, you know, I mean, the guy was six foot four. And, you know, a little, uh, little, uh, uh, you know, he had an IED explosion that happened. And he is now a triple amputee between one arm and two legs. Um, so Adam has kind of made it his mission to, um, to change uh, one, the perception of what has really been going on with some of our vets and stuff like that, as well as he's been um, raising a lot of awareness for some pretty awesome charities that are out there. Uh, Wounded warriors, stuff like that. Um, so we're going to get Adam on in just a second. Uh, I first met Adam, 
a bunch of years ago, I was at a charity event down in Baltimore, or I'm sorry, down in Annapolis for a friend of mine who has CF, um, cystic fibrosis. And Jen just celebrated her 15th wedding anniversary with her uh, husband, Eddie, who's an awesome individual. And their two girls um, who I just adore. Um, really, really cool cats. They're, they're just really, really cute kids. So um, they're fun. So I, I met I met Adam at I can't I can't remember. I think it was like a tilted kilt or something like that. We went into this event. It was, it was Tiernan Oak. Was it Tiernan Oak? Fado. Fado Irish Pub. That's what it was. So I, I go into this event and uh, Jen's father uh, introduced me to Adam and I just was really taken aback by him. You know, he was super excited to meet me because I was on Bar Rescue. And I was really excited to meet him because of the story that I had heard about him. So um, we're going to touch real brief on that. But I really wanted to talk to Adam more about what's going to be going on in the future for him and what his most recent accomplishments are and what they mean to him. So everybody do me a big, huge favor. Um, Let's get uh, all the good stuff going on and let's welcome to Duffified Live, Adam Keys. Adam Keys! Hey, what's going on? Great, brother. <laughs> what's happening? So I didn't see you at the Golden Globes, man. No, I'm working, I'm working on the Oscars. <laughs> I know you are. I'm trying to help you work on the Oscars. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm sharing it out to my people. Thank you. That'd be awesome. Yeah. We, I'd love to see you up there, dude. It, it would be incredible. Absolutely. Uh, so Adam, why don't you do me a favor real quick and tell us, uh, who you are. We know you were on just a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, but yeah. tell us who you are and how we can get in contact with you. Sure. My name's uh, Adam keys. I'm retired from the United States army and you can find me mostly on, on Facebook at Adam keys, one step forward on Twitter at a keys 30 or uh, Instagram at in the breeze 16. Very nice. Why in the breeze? In the breeze is just an old uh, airborne saying when you jump out of a plane, you put your knees in the breeze. So, ah, okay. yeah, there you go. So what's been going on, dude? How were your holidays? Holidays were great. I was out uh, visiting some family out in California. So it's always good to catch up and uh, see how everybody's doing. Very and nice. uh, Santa was good to everybody. So that was that was a good thing. Very nice. Where uh, where in California? Near Sacramento. Most of my oh, family. Dude, I now. love it up there, man. Yeah, it's very nice. I love it up there. I do an I do an event up there every year. And I just I absolutely love getting out there. I was in L.A. the last 10 days. Oh, geez. Two weeks, two weeks ago, I was out there for 10 days. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So what's going on with you, dude? You just had like uh, you had a pretty stellar end of the year. I did. 2018 was good to me, uh, certainly physically as well. So that's uh, it's all been good. Of course, I I, when I talked to you before uh, a few months ago, I was getting ready to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm happy to say that I that I did that and I I made it to the top, which was incredible. And um, as you know as well, I've been working on uh, stand-up comedy, and uh, I've been doing that for the last six months or so. Dude, I love your stand-up. <laughs> Thank you so much. I do. I do. The one where you're talking about, uh, give me a hand, specifically the left one, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I pretty much bust out every time I hear that. It's pretty funny. So um, so let's talk about Kilimanjaro, man. Sure. I mean, absolutely. You, how, how long did you train? A solid six months. A solid six, six months. months. Yeah. Okay. And what was, what, what was involved in the training for that? So I, I talked to my guide and other people that have done it before, and I just took all the advice that I could. And really what it came down to, it seems, most people will agree, is that cardio is probably the biggest thing for it. Sure. Um, so I was doing a lot of cardio, a lot of swimming, and a lot of cycling. 
and um, just generally working out as well. But I also uh, hired a, uh, a personal trainer for a couple of times during the week just to keep my motivation up and make sure I'm staying on par and give my give myself the best opportunity to make it to the top of this. So so that's what I did. Well, and, and so one of the, the obstacles that you also had was the fact that you were on 11 inch prosthetics. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on prosthetics. Um, I'm hoping to get back to my tall legs here in the next couple of weeks, but I, I was on my sore prosthetic legs, which if you're above the knee on both sides uh, of your amputations, you, you typically start on short legs to work okay. on your balance and stuff like that. Um, but I stayed on those for over a year now. And mostly that was after, after about two months, you could really give that up, but I stayed on them just because I wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro on those legs. Cause they're, they're, they're lighter than the tall legs. They're a little bit easier. If something breaks, there's a little bit less to fix. So, right. you know, that all sort of weighed into it. And, uh, so yeah, I did it on my prosthetic uh, legs and my, and my left prosthetic arm and, uh, off we went. <laughs> so why, why do they, why did they start you off on smaller legs? I mean, and this is going to sound maybe like a total rookie question, but you were six, four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, six, three, but yes, I, I, was, a, okay. I was a tall guy. And, um, so since I lost my legs, like I said, bilaterally above the knee on both legs, okay. um, they start you on the short legs just because if you're off your legs for a long time. And for me, in my case, I, I wasn't able to even think about walking for 15 or 16 months after injury. Wow. So once you stand up, you know, there's, it's, it's sort of been shown that you could get very dizzy very, fairly easy. You're not sort of used to being that height anymore. Right. So they start you on the short legs, which is supposedly better for, um, you know, gradually getting taller, but really, really good for your balance as well. So that's, that's how I started. And so 15 months without being in, in the, without being up really without having the legs on, is that for healing purposes? Um, well, yeah. And everyone's different, of course. I mean, I've had some friends that got injured and they were, they were walking within two months. It sort of depends on, wow. depends on what happened to you. And, and in right. my case, I had a lot of open wounds that had to heal and a lot of infection problems. So it just took a little bit longer for me. And that's typically what, how it goes in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you may, I mean, you made it up there. So, so what, I mean, how long did it take? All right. So it took, um, six days, Exactly. And that was our plan. People would do it sometimes in four, sometimes take longer and do it in, in 10 or whatever. But our goal was six. Uh, we completed that goal. We reached the summit. You have to also go up the, the mountain very slow as well. And what they'll say in, in uh, Tanzania, of course, they speak Swahili. So the word is poli poli. So if you're walking even a little bit too fast, they're going to be yelling poli poli, you know, to slow down. Really? Which was, which was good for me because I'm really slow anyway in the prosthetic. So it worked out. But um, we started going up on uh, September 19th, I believe on the fifth day we reached the summit and then it was only a day and a half to get off. Cause you could, you could leave the mountain as fast as you can, as you want, but going up, right. you have to go very slow. And that's just to kind of get used to the altitude. Yes. And that yep. sort of stuff. Plus you're climbing a fucking mountain. Yeah. And it does get a little bit tougher to breathe as you go. And you know, you don't realize it certainly in the first day, you don't even realize it, but the, the toll on your body is much more great than you think it is. And you notice that and certainly on day three and, and beyond, you know? So, and what did you notice? I mean, so, well, let's, let's go back. So day one, you guys take off, you mm -hmm. start, I mean, really you start. So how long is the whole, you fly over there? Yeah. Well, flying over is, is just a trip in itself. Cause you leave, well, I left from uh, Dallas, which is down here in DC and right. then uh, you fly to Amsterdam and then from Amsterdam to uh, Tanzania to Kilimanjaro international. Okay. And, uh, you only land there at nighttime. So it's later at night and you're, jet lag because it's, I think it's seven and a half or eight and eight and a half hours ahead of us. 
Right. So um, you're jet lagging. You just really just want to lay down at that point in time. You finally get to your hotel, and that's what you do. And then we spent the first three days, I believe, in Tanzania um, doing safaris and stuff and just trying to get on their time zone. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So we took our time when we first got there, which was, I mean, Tanzania is just beautiful. And going on these safaris was just another life-changing moment for me. It was it was incredible. And uh, so, yeah, the first three days we did that. And then on the fourth day in Tanzania, obviously, we start our ascent of Kilimanjaro. And then it was six days on the mountain, of course. Yeah. Wow. What was the coolest thing you saw on the safari? You know, I uh, I saw a lot of crazy animals that I never saw, especially not <laughs> in a zoo, other than in a zoo. But uh, to see them in their natural state was incredible. A lot of elephants, a lot of uh, was a lot of lions. But I would say the one that really took my breath away was these massive, just crazy, huge giraffes when they were running at full steam. I had never seen anything like that, and they were uh, you could just tell it that this is where they're supposed to be. So wow, you know, it was uh, an incredible, incredible thing. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Now, lions, are you how close? Because I've seen safaris. I've seen stuff like that, you know, happen before. But how close are you? I mean, and is there a fear at that point? And why are they not just coming after you? Um, So I I learned a lot of that in real time because I had to ask those questions. But the closest (laughs) I think that, that two lions came to us on day two was roughly 25, 30 feet outside of our vehicle which is fairly close to me. You know I mean? It's, it's close. You could hear them purring and walking and all this stuff. So it's like, you know, I asked our guide there. I said, you know, what is the risk here? Maybe I should ask this before we got down here, but right. um, he's like, we, we come down, it's, it's pretty regulated over there. So they, they come bring you down in those areas where it's likely you're going to see those kind of things during a non non feeding time. So, I mean, there's still no, there's still risk, but they, they've mitigated as best they could. And um, I think they're doing a good job. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. So, That's yeah, amazing. it was incredible. To, I mean, just to see lions walk and we, we took videos and pictures, of course. And to, to them, this is a normal thing. They see it all the time. But for me, I mean, I'm just I'm asking our, our uh, guide that day is Godson. I said, Godson, I mean, are we OK here? You know, what I mean, like if the truck break breaks down, I mean, we do. Have, do we have anything? You know, of course, they had all that all that stuff covered. So it was um, just incredible. That's awesome, man. So now when you how many people were on your on your team? In reality, I mean, you've got sure. a guide. Yeah. Um, so I, it was myself and my friend um, that lives up in Maine. His name's Tyler. Okay. And he was my, uh, he's my climbing buddy and my friend, of course. And he was there to, to help me for unforeseen things. Like when we get to camp, I'm going to take my legs off and make sure I have my residual limbs have time to take a break and don't get wounds and stuff. So he was there to help me with that. But when it came to, so we had our guide, an assistant guide and 22 porters to carry all the stuff. God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big team and it was a little bit bigger for me, but typically the, the porters would be about 15, 16 people, but right. because I had extra prosthetics and stuff, they had a few extra people allowed to help me out. That's unbelievable, man. Yeah. And I, and I must say with these guys, I mean, this is their job, but a lot of credit goes to these guys for me getting to the top because they became just as invested as me getting to the top of that mountain as, as, as I was. So, um, right. and, and I felt that and I saw that the whole way and, uh, it was just an incredible, incredible experience. And how much did you guys raise? So just over $30,000, I'm happy to say, um, wow. we did, we did really well. So that means I just finished doing this actually. So it was 10,000, 10,058 for the three charities a piece. And they, all the checks have now just been delivered. Wow. That's awesome. And what were your yeah. three charities? 
uh, was Warrior Vents, you know well, down here in Annapolis, yeah. that helps people get out of the out of the hospital out of Walter Reed. Um, Achilles International, which is the avenue I used to get into hand cycling marathons, which is right. great. And of course, the Semper Fi Fund slash America's Fund that uh, also helps you when you're in the hospital and just trying to get back on your feet, to, so to say, and then, you know, eventually retire and get back to uh, to real life, as they say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. And so so what is the total cost for, for an average person, I mean, and, and that's a that's a fucked up thing to say, and I, and I didn't mean it to come out that way. <laughs> no, but no, for, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, because um, so, you had extra, you had extra guides with you. You have extra pro, you know, extra stuff you've got to bring with you. Yeah. I mean, what's the average cost? So there's basically three levels that you could do it. You could do basic, moderate, and then like VIP style, which is essentially what I cot. did. Yeah, you'll okay. have you'll have a cot and you know, all that kind of stuff, which is, which is all good stuff. But if you went bare minimum, and uh, of course, if, if you weren't hiring a personal trainer and you sort of borrow stuff to take there, you know, I, I asked a lot of friends to borrow some of their stuff since I'm only going to use it one time. Right. Um, you could do it uh, for about 2200 2300 well, That's not but, that um, bad. Yeah, no, it's not. That, and of course, that doesn't count airfare. I'm talking about just the, on the map. Of course. Right, right. But um, if I, I, when we did it, it was about 34 I believe, 3400 and that's okay. for the, you know, for the extra amenities, uh, including the, um, the cot and tents and stuff like that. And what was your, what did you find was the biggest struggle of going up? I mean, you've trained to do this, you've practiced, you've, you've been swimming, you've been run, you know, you've been riding the bike. What was the biggest struggle for you? And when was the biggest struggle? Um, you know, th- there was a, there was a couple of times I, I would say for me, it started really on, on day three, because Although everything was going very well, I was happy to hit the marks that we were supposed to hit. I um, there was certainly times where I thought I could walk, and I was sort of talked out of it because they've seen people fall there before, and if you fall there, it's pretty jagged, so you're likely going to get pulled off the mountain, which right. did happen. I, I saw many people get pulled off the mountain for various reasons. So really, I had to I had to heed the advice of my my guides, which is that's why they're there, and this is what they do for a living. So it it. Um, I was upset those first couple of days that I wasn't walking as much as I had hoped to, although I still was walking much more than they thought I was ever going to do. So that, right. I mean, that's, it was still a great thing. Uh, but then I would, I would sit in the chair and some guys would see me on the mountain in the chair. And I, I sort of felt like they're looking like I'm cheating or something. But the, the reality is being in the chair is the opposite of that, because even though they wanted me to not push myself, I was pushing myself. And then you also have to shift your weight and all these different things. So even though I was sitting some of the time, um, that was more difficult than I thought it would be. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I would say after day four, uh, because of the elevation and stuff, you're essentially going to have a mild headache no matter what. And you're drinking a lot of water and, and that's a good thing. But um, I never had a problem with like actually breathing. I was never gasping for air, which you'll see other people often do. Right. But for some reason, when I when I would try to eat after day four, it was like almost impossible to swallow. And then, so you'd sort of have to force it down. And even when you did that, sometimes it would come back up, you know, within an hour. So really, that was a, I didn't really see that one coming. I didn't really hear much about that, but right. uh, that's what happened to me. Yeah. Wow. Now, how many other people were other than, than the guides that were with you were going, were, I mean, were you, was there a group of you guys that went up? Um, no. So in our case, in, in most people's cases, like your group is your group. So let's say there's 25 counting Tyler and I, and then, uh, but there's, other climbers all across the mountain. There's all these different routes to take. So you're going to meet literally hundreds of people on the mountain. And it's, really? it's quite 
an experience because everyone's from all over the world and everyone has the one goal to get to the top. And maybe you'll see him on day one. You won't see him again till hopefully till the top. Sometimes you'll see them get pulled off the mountain and uh, sometimes you'll see them on the way off the mountain and they'll just ask, Hey, I saw you on day two. Did you make it? And of course right. I was happy to say that, that I did. And they would say a lot of time they would say to me like, well, we, we didn't quite make it. So we're coming back next year type thing, you know? Wow. wow. <laughs> so there's people that are really, really dedicated on that mountain. And, uh, the people of Tanzania. And like I said, my, my guides and porters, I mean, they appreciate that mountain like the way it should be because it, it provides water and food and everything for the people in the, in Tanzania. So the appreciation that they told us about that mountain and, and how to appreciate it certainly rubbed off on me. And it was a, uh, a absolutely beautiful experience. And to, to reach the summit was, I mean, still now even talking about it, like I'm still like at a loss of words because it was so breathtaking. And I just, the sense, the sense of accomplishment was just unreal to me. You know, I still really can't believe I have to look at photos to make sure that I actually did that, you know? <laughs> so it's amazing, it's been, dude. It's been, it's been a journey. <laughs> and with, and with the guides that, that were going up with you, were any of them familiar with leading or assisting somebody who had prosthetics? Um, no, they had not. This was the first time they've done it with somebody in prosthetics. They've done a couple of folks, um, throughout the years they've been doing this, um, in wheelchairs, um, and, and that's great. If they could get somebody up in a wheelchair, that's awesome. And I encourage anybody to do that. But my goal was to walk everywhere that I could. So right. they were thankful that every time that I could get up, I did. And it sort of gave the people that were helping me on the wheelchair a break, you know what I mean? So that was very nice of them. Um, but like I said, they got just as invested once they saw me going, because other than my guide, nobody had even seen me walk before. So right. they were curious to see how I was going to do it. And when I started doing it, you know, there was oftentimes they would just sort of break in a song and, and cheer me on because they didn't really they couldn't see it happening. But Dude, I could see me. it a certain way, you know, so they were uh, they were pumped up. And there was other guides that would come to my guide and say, where did you find this guy? You know, and, and do you know more people? And can I take pictures and all this kind of stuff? And, you know, he, he didn't play any games because I, I was his guy. And, and certainly uh, Ola Reeve was is, is my guy. And he would tell the guy, hey, listen, you want to take a photo of him? Give me a million dollars. So he right. was very protective and uh, and I love him for it. Wow, that's amazing, yeah. man. So, I mean, now, you know, it's you're in the hotel for three days. You've just done a couple of safaris. It's the night before you're about to take off. Like, where are you in your brain? Uh, well, mentally, it was uh, I don't want to say a struggle, but it was it was on my mind constantly. It's like. Here's all the stuff that we did. First, this was an idea a year and a half ago. Here's the six months of just unreal training. And now here we are 12 hours before we're going to start this thing. It's like you do. You get a little bit of nerve, a little bit of nerves in you. And you're like, can I can I actually do this? And essentially, I had to calm myself down, you know, mentally and just say, hey, just literally this is one step at a time. So just take it that way. And, and that's how I that's how I thought the whole way. And, you know, but even sometimes at night at the mountain, you know, on days days two and be and beyond you really had to dig deep sometimes because you're getting tired and your body's hurting sometimes more than you thought it would and uh you just sort of have to say to yourself like, like how bad do you want this because you could easily just say hey guys that's that's enough for me let's turn around but right. um but i but i really wanted it and uh and, and they knew it as well so we, we kept checking along at, at any point were you did you say i'm done no 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 never did i say that never wow yeah. Were they asking you if you were done? No. All they would ever say is, just, are you okay? You feeling good? Th then that kind right. of stuff. They would never say, did you want to leave? 22 guys, man. That's unbelievable. 
Yeah, it's it was unreal, and uh, I had just met those men. You know what I mean? Like these, this is what they do. A lot of those guys climb the mountain, you know, ten times in a season, and, and my guide has climbed it over a hundred times. Wow! And uh, they they do this for a living, but they they also know how challenging it is, and they see sometimes the people that you think they're going to be at the top, they they fall short, and sometimes the people you don't think are going to make it are up at the top, high fiving you. you know what I mean, I'll right. give you a quick a quick example. We saw on day two, two elderly. I say elderly, but I, I, probably early 70s, I would guess, um, on the mountain that already had uh, oxygen to, to, to them. You know what I mean? So they were already hurting a little bit. And right. even our guide said, you know, that's not a good sign. I'm happy to say one of those one of those women was on the summit, at the summit on day five when I was there. Wow. And so how I mean, old was just, she? Uh, I, I'm, this is a guess, but I'd say early 70s. Get out of here. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes you'll see that the 25-year-old um whoever that just in great shape that just sometimes they just go too fast or they take something for granted and they're coming down the mountain i mean you'll see these people getting pulled or just voluntarily coming off because they can't breathe or whatever and they're cursing themselves coming down you know what i mean like right. they're just, just saying god damn i just couldn't make it to the top and it just puts you in check it's like okay go slow listen to your guides and just take it easy you know right and that's what that's what we did mountain's not going anywhere Exactly. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> hey, everybody, I got a question for you. You guys know the term new year, new you. How about new year, new health goals? This year, I want you guys to make health and wellness a top priority with the help of Care Of's monthly subscription vitamin service. Whether you're focused on glowing skin, boosting your energy levels like me right this moment, getting more sleep, or just generally being healthy. What I want you guys to do Okay, you're going to go to TakeCareOf.com. You're going to take care of's fun online quiz. It asks you about your diet, your health goals, and lifestyle choices. It takes about five minutes to find out your personally, scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. Okay, do you know that 90% of people fall short of the FDA recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient? Find out where you're lacking with Care Of's online quiz and get back on track to reaching your health goals. I'm a huge fan of this. I took mine, uh, my test, uh, or my online quiz last week and now I'm just waiting for my product. I can't wait for it to get here. The fun part of it was really just doing that quiz because you're like, well, uh, yes, I am leading a healthy lifestyle. And then you're like, oh man, I don't want to lie about this. I'm not really leading a healthy lifestyle. And it makes that adjustment for you. It can be really hard to know what vitamins or supplements that you should be taking. Trust me, in this world, you walk into a store and you're confused. You don't know what you want to take. Care of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. Care of delivers daily vitamin and supplement packs customized to your recommendations. By the way, you want to hear something really cool? A portion of every single sale from Care of goes to the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. Now, guys, I know you're a little confused right now. That's because you didn't take your mental boost. You didn't take your vitamins. So what I want you to do is listen to this very closely. You're going to take advantage of this month's special New Year offer. For 50% off of your first month of personalized care of vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Duffified50. Let me do this again. 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Go to takecareof.com. That's T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-F.com and enter Duffified 50. You're feeling better already, aren't you? I knew it. My vision is, you know, you're in your hotel, you wake up, you walk out back, there's 22 dudes there waiting for you and you just start going at it. But yeah, that's essentially, yeah. 
I mean, is there, I mean, how far from the base are you? Are you walking out the back door past the pool of the hotel and oh, walking God. up a mountain or are you driving for two hours to get there? Yeah, it's uh, closer to four hours actually from, from Arusha. So I think it was like three and a half. And then you get there and you got to check in because they got to know everyone that's on the mountain and all this kind of stuff. Right. And then uh, so essentially when we started walking the first day, it was probably about 1130 in the morning. And um, the first day is the easiest. And you go about seven kilometers. And I, I'm I'm very happy I journaled this whole thing, too. So I, I wrote everything down and sort of was monitoring what we were doing. So, yeah, the first day was seven kilometers. I walked a little over half of that before it got a little bit more jagged. Um, and then we set up camp and have a good meal. And then they're like, just get your rest. because It's only going to get tougher. And uh, they were right. <laughs> and so at that point, you're exhausted. I mean, you just did 7K. Yeah. You're exhausted at that time. And you you had said it started to get a little bit jagged. So what happens at that point? You guys then stop and you make camp? Um, no. Well, there's there's assigned camps. That, so those are the marks that you want to make every day. And Now, you can, you can camp essentially anywhere you want to. But these are the the places you should make it to if you're going to make it to the top of the mountain, right? So okay. and there, this is where there's other medical stuff and this, that, and the other stuff. So you should be hitting these marks. Um, so if you get there a little bit early, that's great. Get a little bit more time to rest. If you get there late, it's just taken away from your sleep for that night. Now, is it, is it, I mean, and this is going to be a totally rookie question, but, uh, and, and this is actually kind of a funny question, but is it like, is it like a Seven Eleven? you're walking up and there's a guy there selling aspirin and oxygen and, <laughs> you know, packs of gum or no, I, okay. I, I wish, I wish it was like that for sure. It's, it's not <laughs> everything that you need, you better have on you or you're not going to get it. Um, you're not going to get it. They'll, they'll, they'll essentially have a, like a place to go to the restroom. I mean, there's no. There's no plumbing or anything like that. So it's just like a sort of setup area sure. with, a, with an outhouse and kind of stuff like that. And then you have your own food, and it's just a nice clear area to uh, to cook it and set up your tent. It's usually free. Like they have these these camps sort of set up where typically if it was to rain, you're not going to flood there or it would be at least mitigated. Right. So um, it's, it's thought through, but certainly not a 7-Eleven. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, and so – are these guys, are your guides bringing their own supplies as well? Or they have their own tents and all that stuff? Or is there like, you know, are they communally, uh, you know, is there a, a, you know, four, eight people tents or something to that effect? Yes. Um, so essentially, let, let's say that there's uh, three guys in the, in the 20 that are carrying the tents slash the food for, for dinner. Um, they'll bring the tents and the cots and stuff like that. One tent was just for me and my buddy Tyler because that's sort of what we paid for. And you, right. it, that almost immediately makes you feel guilty when you get there because I'm like, I'm in this nice tent. They most essentially they put it up, you know what I mean? And, the, and they're going to cook the food because that's what they do. Yeah. Um, but for them, they pretty much just put up one, maybe two tents and all 20 will get in one or two tents. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They're, I mean, they're really roughing it and it makes you feel guilty because – we paid extra to have the cot and, and have the nice you know, sort of cushion on the cot and stuff because I wanted to make sure I was going to make it to the top. Then I'm right. looking at these guys. I'm like, man, I, it's like I used to do that, you know what I mean, like <laughs> in the Army, but like, I just don't feel like I could do it right now. So they're like, hey, Adam, listen, we do this for a living. You should be doing exactly what you're doing. And, uh, you know, they made me just feel feel normal and comfortable. So they're, they're incredible cool, people. So what kind of so what are you eating? I mean, how you know, it's not like you're throwing back a steak every day. No, but listen, they, they bring some awesome foods. Uh, we did have beef. We did have chicken. Um, a lot of different soups, including a, a really good one I, I hadn't had before. They made pumpkin soup, which was awesome. Wow. Um, and they bring just a lot of vegetables and uh, rice, certainly rice. Any kind of carbs you can get is, is a good thing. 
And so I have zero complaints on the food. I mean, it was more than I thought it would be. And I've certainly written down uh, what I rate or what I ate every day because right. it was like, I need to, I need to remember this when I get home and make some of this, some of the soup myself. <laughs> and then so, so dinner, so dinner's at, at night and then you're, you're asleep by what time? Well, hopefully by like eight thirty, eight 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 thirty. Okay. You know, you sort of, you sort of do a briefing, and your and your guide will check your uh, your pulse and all this kind of stuff to make sure you're healthy, and then uh, you do a briefing from what happened that day, and then a briefing for what's going to happen tomorrow or the ex- suspected what's going to happen the next day, and then you go down and lay and try to lay down and, and calm yourself down and and go to sleep, and that's a little bit tough to do because you're you're anxious, of course, you know you need rest, but um, oh my god, yeah, you sort of have to calm your breathing down, and I was learning, I was doing a lot of that stuff before I left just to try to make sure I knew how to do it. And then I, I use the Headspace app as much as I can just to sort of calm myself down and just say, all right, today is done. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Let's let's focus on tomorrow now. You know what I mean? So it was a, it was a mental game, certainly, um, as well as a physical one. Now, how many other I mean, you had said, you know, you saw an older two women that were climbing up before only one made it. How many other people are you? Are there other people around you besides your guides? Um, at the campsite, yes, but during the trek, typically not. No, you, okay. you sort of leave at different parts of, or you leave at different times from the camp and you're essentially like on the same pace, just in different sections. So you okay. typically don't see too many people on the trail going up, going down is a different story. So now, now, I mean, how about conversation? I mean, are you conversing with the guides that are around you? Or are you talking to Tyler? I mean, what, you know, what are you talking about as you're climbing up the side of a mountain? Um, yeah, most of those guys speak good or enough English to conversate with them, which was incredible. So of course I talked to Tyler and talked to all of them and most of you're talking about everything, but what you're doing, (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, you know, if you talk what you're doing and and focus on what you're doing too much, that's also a mental game, but you're also going to focus too much on what hurts and stuff like that. So, you know, you're talking about pretty girls you see on the mountain and what we're going to have for dinner and, you know, all the stuff that you typically would talk about to distract yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. And how far is the whole climb? It's 19,341 feet. And I felt every single foot of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah. Incredible. And where were you? I mean, the, you know, I mean, where were you feeling the pain? I mean, was it in, uh, was it in your leg? Was it, was it where the wound was? I mean, is it your thighs that are burning at that point or your forearms? Yeah, both both my residual limbs um, were were sore when I took my legs off at night, which was expected. And but nothing really broke up, and which was good. And I was ready for that if it did. I actually suspected that. Really. Um, but really, really, what hurt on on my body was um, I did fall a few times, and it was my my left shoulder. I've always had problems with, and um, it's still bothering me today, even talking with you. So I've actually been to the hospital to make sure that. And I just did x-rays yesterday and I have a, a MRI next week just to make sure it's okay because it doesn't feel right. <laughs> right. So we'll see. But um, overall, it wasn't as bad physically as I was expecting. So that was that was great. You know what I mean? But you didn't know that till you got there. And did it, did it give you a false confidence at any point when you were going up and you're like, this is easy? Um, day one, yes, it, it did. And it was only seven kilometers. That was the shortest day as well. So I had to put myself in check. And even when Tyler and I would, would chat, you know, at night and have dinner and stuff, it's like, all right, like, like I said before, today was today, but tomorrow was going to be tougher. They said it. We right. had to expect that to happen. And every day it did get tougher. And every day you had to really, really, 
hunker down and say like how bad do you want it like i said before because you can see the top you know it's up there but it just yeah. doesn't seem like the first three or four days it doesn't even seem like it's getting closer to you you know what i mean you almost don't even feel like you're going up it you know and what's so, your what's your what's your anxiety level as you're hitting day three day four day five i mean you know you're getting close yeah and you can see it the whole time so what where i mean and it's and it's never you know it's like that rearview mirror only it's complete opposite objects <laughs> yeah. are closer than they appear but in reality they're a lot further than they appear it it's very true and um you know you, after the first very first day you lose your cell phone service so you, you can't ho- call home and let let mom and dad know you're okay and stuff so it's you're thinking about that i'm also thinking that a lot of people sort of have invested in me you know as you know i, I funded myself to do this but i was raising money for charity right and i want to make sure that that i'm following through with with what i promised I was going to do. So I would think about that every night. And I just want to say real quick that everybody that sent me a positive message through Facebook or email or Instagram or whatever it was, every single comment that I, that I read, which is all of them helped me to get to the top of that mountain. So just thank you to, to your viewers and everyone else who's been following me on social media for making that happen because I needed that extra push. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. So now you're, you're, I mean, you know, let's talk about that last you know, couple of miles as you're hitting that last day and you're getting up there. I mean, your adrenaline le- adrenaline level must have just been through the roof. It was. It absolutely was. So on uh, when you leave Kibo Hut on day five, you're going up to the first point on the crater, which is really hard to get to. It's, it's almost vertical. So you have to like zigzag back and forth and you're going through the snow and it's getting windier. And we start at four in the morning that day because we want to get there by, by hopefully oh by God. lunchtime. So the first three or four hours, it's in pitch black other than your uh, your headlamp and uh it's cold and the higher up you get the windier it gets and I, I i took that for granted too i mean it was so fiercely windy at the top that i underestimated that but i learned the hard way when i got up there but uh you're just you're praying for the sun it's like just let the sun come just let it come out because we need yeah. the heat we need we need like the extra push and right around seven when it did because we're, we're far above the uh, the cloud line now so when the sun comes up it's gonna hit you and we just stopped, looked back at the sun, took a couple pictures, and let the rays just hit us. And it like just gave us an extra push. We right. need like another 400 meters to get to the first point, which is Gilman's point, and that's the first point on the crater. We got there, took a, a deep breath, had like a power bar or something, and then kept going on to Stella Point and eventually to Aruhu Peak, which is the summit. And yes, I mean, my my adrenaline was just flowing through me like crazy. I mean, I was feeling so happy, so sad, so accomplished, so, so everything. At all at the same time, and um, finally get to the top. I'm walking. I'm slapping my hand, my hand on the sign of Kilimanjaro. You know, I'm leaving the tokens of uh, the stuff that I brought to leave at the top. I'm, I'm bringing them out, and li- literally the first five or six minutes that I'm there, I couldn't say a word. I was bawling my eyes out. And <laughs> you can't stay up there more than 20 minutes before you start like losing your marbles. Really? Say, you know what I mean? Because because of the altitude, you got 20 minutes or less. You got to come down. And you start even hearing yourself when you talk, um, messing up your words. And I, I, I needed some duct tape for whatever, for whatever reason. But I was saying tuck tape for, and I'm like, and you would catch yourself saying it. And we right. sort of laugh it off, and it's like, okay, like you know, like you sort of feel like you're out drinking all night, but you haven't drank in a month. You know what I mean? So it's right. like, let's uh, let's get this done and, and now get off. <laughs> now you would, I'm sorry, you had said tokens. What what did you what do you mean by that? So I, I did take a, an envelope full of a couple of things to, to leave at the top. Um, and if you if you like, I could tell you what those things are. I would love to know what they are. <laughs> sure. I took uh, an American flag, of course. 
I okay. left that at the top. Uh, Canadian flag, that's where I was born and raised. Right. I took I took a Maryland flag because uh, the governor here, Governor Hogan in Maryland, asked me if he, if I would do that. Oh so man, did. that's awesome. Yeah, he, he's an incredible guy as well. Um, I also brought my my unit patch, um, uh, six no seven sets of airborne wings, one for myself, five for the guys in my unit that didn't come home, and then one for every par- paratrooper that ever you know walked the face of this earth. And a couple other smaller things too. Um, you know, one of the bracelets that I had with uh, engraved with my buddies' names on it. Um, things like that, you know. Oh, and uh, you- also, actually, the, before I get off that topic, the biggest thing was that people were talking about a lot when I first got home was I left my my purple heart up there as well. Wow. Yeah. So. And, and you just you just set it at the at the base of the sign. Yep, right into the snow, and uh, eventually, like, there's usually park rangers there that that will put into a box eventually, but. If that doesn't happen, if it just blows off into the snow and gets buried there, then that's that's okay that's too. That's part it's, of it. It's, yeah. yeah, it's there. <laughs> wow, man, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's amazing. And then, so now you've got twenty minutes. You're up there, and you're yeah. looking around, and you're literally you're on top of the world, man. Yeah, I mean, you're just. Is there a lot of cloud cover that you're unable to see what's going on down below, or were you able to see everything? You can't see like you couldn't see the villages below close to the to the mountain but further away uh yes you could see like regular gr- ground level stuff yeah and wow i mean and you're and you're so far up there i mean and and there was clouds closer to the mountain for sure it's like you're so far above those mountains i mean you can sort of relate if you've ever i know you have but anybody who's listening that's ever been into an airplane you're looking down at the at the, uh, at the clouds from the top right and it's su- such a bl- blue beautiful sky up there but now here I am looking down, and I'm like, I just climbed up this thing. You're looking down at the, at the at the closest camp to you, which is called Kibo Hut, and it feels like it's now that I'm at the top. It feels like it's a hundred miles away. You know, what I mean, right. you don't realize it till you get up there how how distant you are from the rest of the world. And uh, that was one of the most incredible feelings that I've ever I've ever had in my life. You know, just getting down to that, or seeing yeah. that, or getting down to that. Well, to to see it to start for sure. But then, then right. really quickly, like reality hits you. It's like, now we made it to the top, but we also have to get, get down. This <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean? It's like, there's not a helicopter. There's not yeah. a, there's not an escalator. That's all of a sudden I press and a button. At, at that point did I wish there was a helicopter for sure. Oh, and, sure. Uh, and there's just these massive, just incredible glaciers. I mean, it's just obviously snow capped like crazy. There's all these glaciers and just an incredible, incredible scene that you really can't, describe until you're there i mean you could see the snow obviously from from ground level but you don't understand what's in that snow and these glaciers had to be 50 or 60 feet tall you know what i mean it was just incredible right wow that's amazing so now you're you're doing your descent how long is the full descent to get back down a, uh, a day and a half really yeah a day and a half like i said you, you could leave the mountain as fast as, as you want Right, um, because the altitude's going in your favor now. The, the, the further you get back to base camp or whatever, or and get off the mountain, you're going to get back to regular breathing. And then, how? What kind of a time frame do you have once you get home? I mean, are you are you chilling out? Are you going to a doctor and having yourself checked out at that point? Uh, no, we. Uh, so, like I said, it's about three and a half, four hour drive back to our hotel. We get there, and the first thing you want to do, of course, is shower. So that's that's what we did. Right. And um, I mean, because you're not showering on the mountain, so you're you're dirty. <laughs> right. And there's, I mean, I washed my hair like five or six times. It was just full of sweat and dirt and dust. It was it was yeah. awesome. Um, but then when that's all done, you sort of we were leaving the very next day. However, you don't fly out till at nighttime, so our flight's not till nine p.m. the following day. And we got back to our hotel roughly around let's say five o'clock that Saturday. 
Right. And uh, so after we washed up, uh, Tyler and I sort of looked at each other, like, let's pack our bags and just be ready. And then, uh, you know, we said, let's go downstairs and have a beer, man. It's been a long time. So we went to the bar in, in the uh, hotel. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, That's amazing. And I only, I only had two beers, but trust me, that was enough. <laughs> yeah, you were lit up. Yeah, that's, that's, that's funny, all it took, man. man. There was nothing left in my body, that's for sure. So, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are going to hear this next question and be like, dude, give the guy a break. But I, I, I've I've followed you for a while. We met a couple years ago. I know your drive. Yeah. What's next? <laughs> I got that question a lot, actually. And people say, are you going to do a Kilimanjaro again? Or you want to do Denali or Everest or whatever? And I, I said, at the moment, I don't have anything planned. Um, I don't plan on doing any mountains Maybe maybe not ever again. I don't know. But at the moment, I'm not even thinking about it. I was focusing on finishing my task for my fundraising events, which was when I got back from Kilimanjaro, I hand cycled the Chicago Marathon six days after and three weeks after I did the wow. New York City Marathon. Jesus. And, and that's really what took the rest of, rest of it out of me. I'm like, I need to take a break and just sort of focus on uh, and focus on comedy. Right. So now, so you finished those two races and then and then that was so that was what, October? Yeah, well, the New York City Marathon was November 4th, so that was officially the end of my fundraising events. Okay. Yeah. And then, and now you're just doing comedy. So are you doing stuff all around Maryland? Are you going around the country? I mean, where are you now? Right, yeah, right now it's been in the Maryland, D.C. area. I've been uh, happy to go to the D.C. Improv twice so far. And oh. then I just, I just did a gal- uh, gala in November uh, here in Bethesda, Maryland for uh, another military charity called the Yellow Ribbon Fund. They asked oh, me cool. to come back and do some comedy there. So I'll do it wherever I can. You know what I mean? So sure. I'm trying to do more. And eventually, maybe it will be uh, nationwide, and I'll get to L.A. or New York or even Montreal up in Canada. So we'll see. Well, we got to connect you with my brothers. I know I keep saying that with stuff, but but they're they, so they just they do a whole bunch of TV stuff. So they do a bunch of stuff with, you know, they just created a show called Funny Dance Show, which comedians basically take the music and they dance to the song and while they do bits the whole time. It's pretty cool. Some of the stuff that goes on with it. Yeah, there's some really neat stuff that they're producing at this point. Um, <clears throat> so. How, how long are your sets that you're doing? I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm a huge Joe Rogan guy <laughs> and I'm a huge Burt Kreischer and I listen to these guys talk. And um, actually, I just watched um, Ron Funch. I don't know if you know Ron or not. I just watched his uh, Comedy Central special the other night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's an hour long, man. I mean, that's a lot of and he pretty much does five bits, you know. Yeah. And, and they're, the lead-in to them is brilliant. They're really good. So where are you – And how, I mean, how, how long is your, is your, is your, your segment now when yeah, you're up so there? The, the set that you would have saw was a, pretty, a solid five minutes, and I was intimidated okay. for that, and I was at the DC Improv. But uh, when I went back to the Improv, they gave me uh, seven minutes, so I was able to push it two, two minutes longer. Wow. Uh, but when I, when I watch the same comedy that you're watching, I mean, I'm intimidated by these guys that do 30 minutes or an hour oh, or an hour God, and 20 yeah. It freaks me out. But I also talked to a lot of comedians, and they all sort of felt the same way. I mean, five minutes was way too much for me, I think. That, that's how I felt. But after you do the five minutes, although it feels like an eternity when you're on, on stage, and then you come back and you sort of watch the video, it's like, okay, I did all right with this five minutes. I got to work on this. And eventually, maybe potentially, I could get to 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. Right. So I'm working on making it to the next step. But as of right now, I'm, yeah, I'm between five and 10 minutes on my sets. And so, and a lot of the stuff that you're doing, I mean, are you are you bringing in Kilimanjaro to it? Are you bringing other stuff into it? Or are you doing really more on your day to day? I mean, occurrences. I mean, that one, like I said, you know, and you're like, hey, can I give you a hand? And you're like, yes, the left one's like that. <laughs> I just crack up every time I hear that because it's 
you know, in the world that we're in of everybody's so sensitive and everybody's so, uh, you know, so PC to watch a guy who can really, and it all comes down to if you can't make fun of yourself, who can you make fun of? Nope. That's, that's very true. And I I try to make light of it too, because I I want, I want to do comedy, but I also want to point out the elephant in the room there that obviously I look a bit, a little bit different than the average person, but I want you to laugh. I want people to laugh with me essentially and not at me. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to give you a way to do that. And so far, it's been working out. I haven't got booed off stage yet. I'm sure it'll happen one day. But um, uh, yeah, as of now, to answer your question, <laughs> as to answer your question, typically now I'm st- sticking to the jokes I've been writing for the last several years, which is my daily occurrences and just how funny right. they really are. But yes, I certainly am um, bringing up Kilimanjaro. I mean, because why not? Sure. It sort, of, sort of sets me apart from from everybody else. And uh, if there's a joke anywhere, I mean, I was writing jokes on Kilimanjaro, so. Trust me, they're they're there. <laughs> they're there, right? Yeah, right. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome, dude. We got to get together, man. I'd love to see you. Yeah, no, I'm into that too. Are you so, up in Philadelphia now, or where yet? I'm in Philly, but I, I mean, I flew a hundred thousand miles last year. Yeah, that's inc- so that's inc- crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. But I got some really cool projects going on. I can't talk too much about them right now. I'm kind of in a I'm in a holding pattern with being able to speak about them. So, sure. but it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, and it's the concept of what I wanted to do for a long time. So I'm pretty stoked about that. But um, I, I mean, I'm in Philly. You know, I mean, this is this is where I am. I keep trying to get down. I know Jed and Eddie just uh, had a 15th anniversary yesterday. They're a yeah. riot. Those two. Yeah. Um, and I mean, her family is, you know, like, look, we met, we, I met her parents because my girlfriend went to college with Jen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Story. It's awesome. <laughs> now, did, did I tell you about the time that Jen and Eddie broke up? Um, I don't think so, but I'd love to hear it. <laughs> they broke up in college and, and J- so my ex-girlfriend was Jill and Megan was one of her friends and Jen and all those guys were involved in this and Amber all lived together and they were furious with Jen that they broke up. They're like, we want Eddie back. <laughs> like you need to bring Eddie back. I mean, Eddie's just such a dynamic individual anyway yeah. and such a huge hearted man. Um, it's a lot of fun. And, and you know, their, their story alone is, is pretty impressive. No, yeah, yeah I, I, I love them and, and their story as well. And I, I'm really happy that uh, now that, it, that I know the story that Jen brought them back, I really like that. <laughs> Seriously. Could yeah. you imagine like if Jen and Eddie weren't together? I mean, that was even, wasn't that a Jack? Oh, that was Jack and Diane. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, Jen it's and all, Eddie. Yeah, it's all the same. I mean, it's, it's incredible. They, they are incredible people. The whole family's incredible. Man. And that is how we met. So, I mean, I got to thank yeah. them for that too. Yeah, they're good people, man. I, I never get to see them as much anymore, but Eddie and I will kind of throw a text to each other every now and then. And, you know, it's good to watch the girls that they've grown up so much. It's pretty yeah. amazing to watch that whole crew. So, um, and what a, just what a great family. I mean, they even married great fucking people. You know, yeah, you look no, at Brian I, I, and Eddie yeah. alone and it's like, look at the family that these guys have just built and, and grown. It's really, it's really pretretty impressive. So it's just nice people. So, yeah. I um, so you're just focusing on comedy right now when you're not doing it. Are you doing any more fundraising or are you always fundraising? Well, I'm not fundraising at the moment, but if somebody would ask me to help them with something or if I see an opportunity to, to, uh, to help where I can, I, right. I certainly will. Yeah. Okay, man. Um, but what's on my list, I guess that's sort of what you're getting to, to do is I just signed up to, uh, for, um, improv school through the same program I did uh, comedy boot camp with. Nice. So I'm looking to uh, just to further my my comedy career, hopefully, and learn how to do some improv. And then uh, I also just this past weekend have uh, submitted to uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to go through this casting thing. I'm trying to get you know into some movies or into some TV or even commercials. So I've been trying to do that as well. That's awesome. And uh, we'll see what happens. You know. 
There's a, I know there's a, there's emails that I get on, on pretty much weekly or, or at least every couple of weeks from a company called Twins Casting, okay. and they will they throw casting stuff out there and they just it ends up in your email. So just a nice little you know I mean it, I, I look at it all the time and then I usually just ship it out to people or forward it to people that I think might be interested in it. So, um, but I get emails on that list. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely will, dude. I absolutely will. Right on. Um, so now, for anybody who wants to get involved in the charities or throw a couple bucks that way now. Where do you suggest that they go do that? If you'd like to check up their, their websites, I could just tell you the Semper Fi Fund slash America's Fund dot org. Um, uh, Achilles International dot org as well or Warrior Events dot org. All right, cool. All right, man. Well, dude, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I, I don't I mean, you know, I'm just a random dude, but I'm, I'm super proud of, of what you've done. Thank you. Very you know, much. I mean, it's I, 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 I try, I talk about you all the time and I'm like, no, you got to go check this guy out. Check him out. Go over here. Check him out. Like, you know, and I talk about the fact of what you did with Kilimanjaro and, and kind of the whole story leading up to it. So, um, I'm super proud of you, man. I'm, I'm glad to know you and, and, uh, and just, holy shit. <laughs> like, well, thanks amazing. a lot, Steph. I, I, that means a lot to me, certainly. And I'm, I'm glad that, uh, we have met down, uh, you know, on our, on our travels and yeah. I'm sure I'll see you again sometime soon. And if anything, I'll come up and have a cheesesteak. I'd love it, dude. Let's go bang out a couple of cheesesteaks. I'm happy with that. <laughs> right on, man. All right, brother. Well, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. And then uh, one last time, uh, give me your name and uh, let everybody know where they can follow you. Sure. My name is Adam Keys. You can follow me on Facebook at Adam Keys One Step Forward, on Instagram at In the In the Breeze Sixteen, or Twitter A Keys Thirty. Awesome, brother. Thanks for your time, Adam. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Steph. See ya. Cheers, brother. Bye bye. So there's. You know, I mean, we've got we've got days that we wake up like, look, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not feeling well. I got a crazy headache. Um, my sickness is just at the end of it. This guy climbed Mount Kilimanjaro on two 11 inch prosthetics um, and then came home and uh, rode uh, the hand pedal bike through uh, the Chicago Marathon. And then a couple weeks later, banged out the New York Marathon. So. Me as my sloth life, I feel like I might go to the gym this afternoon now or at least try to do something that's going to make an impact. Uh, I really have a tremendous amount of respect for Adam and what he does. Um, and, you know, this is a guy who found uh, through a very odd circumstance has been given a platform and he's taking advantage of it. And I don't mean taking advantage of it in a negative way. He's doing it positively, man. You know, three charities that he's raising funds for ten thousand five hundred dollars for each one after climbing Kilimanjaro. And he funded the trip himself. You know, so there's a lot to be said about that. So um, get over there and check him out. Adam Keys, one step forward and in the breeze on Instagram. Uh, pretty awesome dude. So, um, I've talked too much right now. I'm starting to get burps, excuse me, and hiccups, which means that it's time for me to hang up. So I want to thank all you guys for hanging out with us for the week. Do me a favor, please go over to iTunes or any of those places and give us some reviews. Let people know what you think. Um, the more you do, the more followers we get and the happier we get because we get to share this story with a lot of other people. So while you're at it, check out the three people that most of my, uh, that matter the most to me in, in this little world of podcasting. That's Jerry and Jason down there at RadioInfluence.com. These guys do 22 podcasts that can't all be as boring as mine. Imagine 
what these guys are doing with other people. I know Ian Beckles is a, is a character. I love listening to his stuff. All right, so check them all out. Get over there. Uh, pay attention to those guys. Radioinfluence.com. Maggie Gagliardi does all of our illustrations. She's a brilliant, wonderful human being. Stoked to see her this week coming up in Connecticut. Um, and then we've also got uh, the wonderful world of Michelle out there at Techno Solution. Um, so just to give you guys a really quick idea of what's going on and where I am going to be, I will be at the Mohegan Sun Wine and Food Festival in Uncasville, Connecticut, 24, 25, I'm sorry, 25, 26, 27 of January. And then right after that, I am heading out to Denver, Colorado. I'll be in Denver for a little while. I'm going to be in Allentown for a little while. Then I head out to Vegas. So if you're out there for the... Uh, uh, the Builder Show in Vegas. I'm going out with my boys in GE, and we're going to bang out uh, some really good food on some really cool equipment. So thank you all so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to next week and see who we get then. Everybody have an awesome week. Do me a favor. Go out and just be nice to people. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. If you love motorcycles, I invite you to listen to Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, Alan Lane, a.k.a. Mr. Black Moses. On Life in the Fast Lane, I'll be talking with everyone about everything motorcycles. If it has two wheels, and in some cases three, it's fair game for us. Road racing, drag racing, stunt riding, custom bikes, gear, motorcycle clubs. Everyone from pro racers, brand ambassadors, industry insiders, and celebrities to the rider from right up the block. You'll hear them all right here on Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, Alan Lane, a.k.a. Mr. Black Moses. Life in the Fast Lane can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 